Sports fans, it's time for those most famous words in motorsports. Here to give the command, please welcome our Grand Marshal, NASCAR Hall of Famer and iconic STP driver, Richard Petty. Gentlemen, start your engines. All right, and welcome into another episode of the Upspeed Podcast. Tyler Head and Dalton Mullinex with you as always. After a few weeks off, we've had some things going on in both of our lives that have prevented us from having the time to podcast, but we are back after our little break and uh, full steam ahead for us until uh, the rest of the season now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we took our little driver break um, a little early in the season, but we'll get yeah. back to you know, uh, I mean, the weeks that we missed, what, Martinsville, Talladega, Dover, Martinsville and Talladega, they were okay, you know, kind of a shrug of the shoulders type of thing. Dover was pretty solid, I would say, um, pretty comparable to last year's race, I would I would think. Um, I, I didn't know how to feel going into this past weekend at Kansas, though especially given the race that we saw at Vegas earlier on in the year, the only other comparable mile and a half to this track where it was single file, pretty boring, not a lot of passing. It's like, man, did these teams figure out this next gen car where intermediates suck again? And fortunately that was not the case as we got treated to definitely the best race of the season. And, you know, I don't know if it rivals last year's Coke 600, but one of the better ones in recent memory for sure. Yeah, and, you know, it's one of those that, like you said, you thought back to Vegas earlier this year, and you're like, man, I hope that's not what we see when we go there. And, you know, you could tell early on that that was not the case yeah. with weekend. And Kansas is one of those tracks, you know, it was repaved right out a decade ago, and, you know, they put progressive banking into it, which allows the multiple grooves. And that's what's proven to be really good for these next-gen cars when you have the option of running high, low, or middle. Because, of course, we know the dirty air is still a problem. So when you're running right behind somebody, it's still going to be difficult to pass. But if you have the option, hey, I'm faster, I'm just going to go to the outside or the inside, wherever he's not, and, um, you know, be able to pass guys that way. We saw what ended up being a record-setting number of leaders for an intermediate 400-mile race. Like, these are the kind of things that we like to see. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, you know, you NASCAR was built on, you know, these mile and a half and to be able to deliver, you know, this early in the season, a track we know we go back to in the playoffs. Like it, it's, I'm very intrigued to see, you know, obviously we go to Darlington this upcoming weekend, what mm -hmm. the Coke six in a couple of weeks. Like we're kind of getting a mile and a half stretch. Um, we'll see what happens. We could be in for a really, really good stretch of races coming up. Absolutely. And, you know, when you talk about the ratings kind of taking their dip this year, you want to see this good racing. And I think Sunday it was paramount to put on a really good show because you were going head to head with the Formula One Grand Prix down in Miami, which of course draws a lot of casual race fans eyes and from an on-track standpoint, it completely blew that race out of the water. I watched the highlights, and there weren't many highlights to it at all. It was a pretty boring F1 race. Yeah. You know, and it's it's funny because, like, I had forgot it was – to be honest, I would forgot it was even on. Mm -hmm. You know, I Formula One guy. But, you know, so I flipped it over there during one of the cautions in, in the NASCAR race. And, you know, you're sitting there watching it, and I'm just like, this is not – 
this is not exciting at all, you know, and, you know, you keep hearing, oh, we're the ones, the, the future of American motorsports. No, it's not. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> it's still car after NASCAR, throw in IndyCar, and then Formula One. I think, and I, I've been thinking about this for the past couple of days, you know, you had the Drive to Survive series that's been on for a couple of years. And I think back like 2021 was a fairly exciting F1 season. So I think like its rise over these past couple of years was almost kind of like this perfect storm where you had the Netflix series. You had some exciting races going on a couple of years ago, but these past two years have literally been dominated by one team and one driver, Red Bull Racing and, um, you know, Max Verstappen. And now you're starting to see that interest decline a little bit. Their ratings were down compared to last year. You know, these races aren't easy to go to if you're just the casual fan, you know, so you don't have a chance to go out there and experience it. And again, you know, NASCAR went out there and showed on Sunday what makes them great. And that's good side-by-side racing cars that are hard to drive. We saw drivers spinning out left and right. Like this, again, was one of the best races in recent memory. Well, and that's the thing is, you know, you're starting again, like you just, we kind of hit that early season. Oh my gosh, your ratings down, you know, ratings are down is, you know, there's a lot of panic, whatever. And, and I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but um, obviously Chase Elliott being back yep, and the, he's been at, since he's been back, the numbers have been up. So I don't know if it's the Chase Elliott effect. I don't know if it's just people have stuff, you know, had stuff to watch or whatever, but you know, I still think that overall NASCAR is still heading in the right direction. Absolutely. And it just kind of goes back to if if they can figure out this short track package and get that back to what it was with the Gen 6 cars, we're going to be cooking week in and week out. Like the unfortunate part about the way the schedule worked out with in, in um you know introduction of the next gen cars we lost a lot of mile and a half so now we're waiting weeks and months to go back to another one and again we have a nice little stretch over these next couple of weeks here but you know that's proven to be the best product and again if we can figure out short tracks which we go to more often than not it seems like now and eventually super speedways where we just put on great racing week in and week out i guarantee you those numbers will go back up definitely Definitely. And that's the trap. Well, then for your ratings. So back to the race on Sunday, it was won by Denny Hamlin, but it was not uh, done in a non-controversial ways. He and Kyle Larson tangle on the last lap on the back stretch and what looked like might be a side-by-side battle at the finish. And that, you know, they were kind of going back and forth there in those last couple laps with, uh, you know, Hamlin running Larson down and look, I'm a really big Kyle Larson fan. I'm not angry about what I saw on Sunday, though. I think it was a case of Larson's car losing handling, Hamlin coming on strong. Larson, like, hit the wall before Hamlin even touched him. And, you know, you're going to be racing close to the guy on the last lap. I think this was really kind of chalked up to a racing incident. I'm not I'm not upset with what Denny did. Yeah, I, I agree. And, I mean, initially I was because I was just like, dang it, Denny. What, yeah. you know, what are you doing here? Um, but, yeah, I mean, they – those last like six or seven laps when, when Denny really got to him, um, that was some of the best race that I've seen in a long time. Yep. You know, two dudes that just, you know, this word's been thrown up there a lot this year, but like racing with respect. Yeah. You know, there were opportunities for Kyle Larson to, to hold Denny down in the corner. There was options there, you know, there's possibilities that, you know, Denny could have just absolutely floored it and pushed Kyle into the corner and all that. They didn't do that. And even on the backstretch, when they eventually got into each other, you know, like you said, Kyle hit the wall. 
kind of bounced over, ran into Denny, and then, you know, Denny didn't just run through him. It looked like he actually tried to back off of him. Right, right. And, uh, you know, for Kyle Larson, this is kind of almost kind of become his thing when you have these tight races that looks like it's going to set up for a great finish. He ends up coming out on the short end, you know, here, Kansas last year with Kurt Busch, that Chicagoland race a couple of years ago, last year's Coke 600 where he and Briscoe tangle. Like he just always finds a way to get tangled up in something and come out on the short end of the stick in these races. Right. Yeah. I mean, think if you took a, you know, you take half of those races and, and let him be the winner, how many more wins he has in his career. Well, I think Sunday was like his 30th or 32nd career second place finish. So, yeah, you take half of those and suddenly talking about him being, you know, a 36 weight race winner and creeping up on 50 wins. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it is crazy. Uh, for Denny Hamlin, though, you know, uh, a guy that and this honestly kind of surprised me when they mentioned it on the broadcast, he hadn't won since the Coke 600 last year. He was creeping up on a full calendar mm -hmm. year since his last win. And when you think about, you know, he had the Pocono win that got taken away, but you think about how consistently, you know, he ran in the second half of last year, it just felt like he had won a race or two since then. And that wasn't the case. And, uh, you know, Sunday for our Toyotas really flexed their muscle. And, you know, while maybe he wasn't, the best overall car he found his way to get to victory lane there in the late stages. Yeah. Well, and then that's the thing is, you know, you just, he's so good and he's so consistent that you just, you forget he hadn't won in a while. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, to get it, he's been good this year. He's had, you know, he's had his ups and downs as have the Toyotas. Um, but look, I mean, they're, they're, they're a team to be, you know, reckoned with every week. Um, and I, I think they're just going to continue to get stronger as the year goes on. So uh, that marks our ninth winner of the 2022 season. Denny Hamlin has once again locked himself into the playoffs. We have to have the conversation that we have every single year. Could this finally be the year of Denny Hamlin where he breaks through and gets a championship? It could be. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I've thought that twice now since we've been doing this podcast that it's his championship to lose and he's lost it both times. Yeah. Um, you never know. I mean, that that's the beauty of the sport is you've got to race all 36 races and you got to have a chance to be there at the end. Yeah. Um, I will say, you know, again, Toyota looked really, really strong all day on Sunday. And when you think back to the early part of the season where Chevrolet was winning everything left and right and Ford was struggling and Toyota was doing okay, it's like, man, it's going to be a Chevy dominated season. Toyota now with back to back wins, three total wins on the season, they finally or what four total wins on the season. Now, when you count Reddick, um, Toyota's finally figured things out. And I think they're going to be con continue to be competitive for wins week in and week out now. Right. Uh, you mentioned Chase Elliott, who's been back for a couple weeks now, came back in Martinsville and he's had decent finishes in all these races, but you haven't seen him compete for wins until Sunday when he was up there in the late stages, ends up coming home with, uh, let's see here, a, seventh place finish. I don't think that was indicative of just how good his car was. And did it get up there and lead a couple of laps as well? Like this race to me kind of finally made me feel like, okay, Chase Elliott is back. That win could be coming here in the next couple of weeks, but he's finally showing that speed and ability to run up front once again. Well, I mean, after the race, I was like, dang, this was an opportunity, blah, blah, blah. But then I was like, look what's coming up in a couple of weeks. The yeah. Coke six, yeah, you know, um, has had chances before, 
very close <laughs> to hit the 600. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you just, I, I look, he's got to win. You know, I keep seeing people every week ask Bob Pockers, Bob, can he point his way in? No, he's going to have to win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think he knows that. And eventually when Alex Bowman gets back, it's the same thing. I think he knows it as well. Um, but it's one of those that you're starting to see. I know it's only been a couple of races, but some confidence back into him a little bit, a little bit of swag as well. Yeah. Um, we'll see. We'll see how far it takes him. Well, and not only winning for the fact of just locking yourself into the playoff, he's going to need playoff points because that's something that he's always been able to do is finish well in the regular season points and win races and win stages where he has a decent amount of playoff points when the playoffs start to be able to fall back on when he needs to. And, you know, if he goes into the playoffs with, you know, let's say one win and five playoff points, you know, you can't have a bad day. And we know he's prone to have a couple of bad races in the playoffs that at that point he wouldn't have a mulligan for. Well, I mean, just look at his playoff run last year. Yeah. I mean, it was low-key horrendous, yeah. you know? Um, so, who knows? Yeah, absolutely. The other big story from Sunday was the throwdown on pit road after the race between Ross Chastain and uh, Noah Gregson. And, you know, this is now, gosh, I don't think he made anybody mad at Martinsville, but he and Noah tangled at Talladega. He and Larson had their incident at Dover last weekend. And now another situation with Noah Gregson, like I, I know everybody use, uses the term the don't give an F tour for Ross Chastain. It's in full effect. Yeah. You know, it's funny, like, listen, to everybody just, you know, junk on Ross for anything and everything. And like, I get it. Um, but at the same point, I was actually texting one of my friends. It's, he's a fan as well, a NASCAR fan. And he, we were talking about that. Like, I'm a Noah Gregson fan. Yeah. Okay. But I think he was completely in the wrong here. Mm-hmm. I re- it reminded me so much of when Joey Logano and William Byron got into it at Darlington. Yep. Okay. They got into it at Darlington. And basically, William Byron, after the race, was like, yeah. You know, I was tight on Joey, but it spooked him, and he ran his car into the wall. I thought mm-hmm. like the same thing happened with Noah Gregson. Right. I think crowding him. I think that Noah just whether his car got tight, and he went in the wall, whatever. But to get out on after the race, because that happened early in the race, yeah. and then get out and get clocked. I mean, I, I was like, holy crap! You know. Well, let's think about it like this. Comparing the speed of Trackhouse and Legacy Motor Club, Ross Chastain doesn't need to do anything extra to get past the 42 car. He's got more speed and he's got much better equipment than that 42 car. So if there's some kind of, if Noah thinks that the only way Ross can get by him is by running him into the wall or nudging him out of the way, then that's certainly not the case. Whatever Ross did on Sunday to him, you know, was probably accidental, but, you know, Noah Gregson has heard what people have said about Ross Chastain. Brendan Poole at Dover last weekend said, yeah, somebody should go kick his butt, which by the way, I hate those idle threats. Like do it yourself. Yeah. If you want to kick somebody's yeah. butt. You know what I mean? Uh, apparently he gets gaslit by Chase Elliott after the race. Like, yeah, man, go over there, go over there and say something to him. And I'm sure Chase got a nice laugh when he saw him get punched in the face, but yeah, he, uh, he barked up the wrong tree on that one. And Noah, a little advice. If you're going to confront someone, 
just swing first. Don't put your hand on their chest and give them all day to swing on you because that's what he did. And NASCAR put out the great video right there. Like Ross told him, like, you better stop. Like, I'm giving you a chance to correct what you're doing right now. Noah Gregson kept pushing and bam, that right hand came out. Didn't come out of nowhere, but it uh it connected pretty well. Yeah, the it was a thud. I mean, you could hear it. And you know, it's it's one of those two, like, you know, you talk about what Brennan Poole said, like Chase Elliott, what he said. It's like my my thing is like, you know, don't don't be this, oh well, I'd go and kick his butt. Then go do it. Right. Go do it. You know, like, hey, somebody should go over there and kick his butt. And like, you know, part of me thinks that like Noah is just so number one, immature. Okay. But two, just so like he's the kid that like your parents always make the joke about like if your friends jumped off a cliff, would you jump too? Like Noah Gregson would. Yeah. He would jump, right? Noah Gregson likes to have attention on him. And running the 42 car this year, not garnered too much attention. Dover last weekend, he get this dumb bowl cut from a bet with Austin Dillon, apparently. And again, he probably heard the conversations about everybody saying, yeah, somebody should really kick Ross Chastain's butt and saw an opportunity. Hey, if I go down there and fight Ross Chastain, I'm getting on camera. I'm getting people talking about me. Now, that's the main reason why I went there, went down there and did it. It's not, but that's an influencing factor for sure. Cause we've been pretty silent about Noah Gregson this year because he's routinely running 25th to 30th most weeks like this is the most relevant he's been all year yeah yeah you know but that's the thing is not all press is good press either right well and i think with gregson being the one that got punched which and look i hate when you know these things when security or team members or something jump in right away like let these guys fight a little bit you know what i mean like if they f- do the hockey thing if they fall to the ground then break them up but then we're swinging right. on each other a couple times let them go for it and uh you know noah missed his opportunity to take the first swing ross connects on his punch and if anything i think that solidifies ross a little bit more in this situation because he went out there and raced aggressively and he backed it up when he was confronted on pit road like I don't know how many more people are going to want to mess with them after the race now. Well, and I think that's kind of the thing too, is that I think if you're anybody else in that garage, you're like, Oh crap, he means business. Like me in the face. I'm going to, if I'm going to confront him, then I guess that, um, I guess that I'm going to do it in my car. Now I will say, and this is just, so obviously Ryan Newman's coming back. Yes. Um, he raced this weekend in Rick Ware car. Like I was thinking, what if Ryan Newman gets a shot at Ross Chastain? What if Ross Chastain pisses off Ryan Newman in the race? You think he's hard to pass now? I th- I want to see it. I do. I I want to see it so bad. Yeah, that would be uh that'd be pretty interesting. But you know, and look, Ross is a controversial figure. You either love him or hate him. More you know, more likely than not. This is so good for the sport. When I think about all the social media engagement and the Pat McAfee's of the world, the sports center showing this clip, like these are the things that get NASCAR into that mainstream conversation. Is it the preferable way to get in that conversation? No, absolutely not. But like you said, sometimes press is press and this got a lot of people's attention. I, I've People that I work with are referring to Ross Chastain now that are not race fans. 
like, Hey, what about that right. guy that threw the punch in the NASCAR race the other day? I'm like, you mean Ross Chastain? Yeah. That guy, like it's starting to trickle into the mainstream a little bit here. Yeah. So, you know, is that, is Ross Chastain fighting on pit road going to bring NASCAR back to the levels it was 15 years ago? Absolutely not. But can it start, you know, maybe getting a few more casual eyes back on the sport, some people that were maybe laps race fans that think, oh, none of these drivers have personality. Wait a minute, this guy's a watermelon farmer and he fights people on pit road? I'll check that out. Yeah, exactly. Just the more eyeballs on it, the better. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that continues to trend, uh, you know, as the as the week and the year goes by. But, you know, Ross Chastain, for all the people he's made angry, still waiting on somebody to give him that receipt. Mm-hmm. So, and I believe, let me check here, I think he's still the points leader. Uh, Yes, he is. He's still leading the regular season points. Yeah. So, everything's going well for Ross Chastain right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, quickly, the truck series raced on Saturday night. Grant Infinger ends up coming away with the victory. He's somebody that had not uh, won in a little bit, going back to IRP, um, you know, last fall. And uh, I feel like the the GMS trucks just haven't had a ton of speed this year. But, you know, Grant Infinger is a savvy veteran and, you know, can always find his way back to find his way back to victory lane and especially when you think of all the turnover the truck series has had this year you know it's not crazy to think that he couldn't pick up another couple of victories especially before the playoffs start right so good week for him you mentioned the the ryan newman thing we have a lot of news to talk about we'll just kind of hit some of the big ones and we'll start off with that so cody Ware gets arrested a couple of weeks ago for a domestic incident involving a woman. I can go ahead and tell you he's never coming back to NASCAR again. Like he's he's done. I don't know what legal ramifications he still has to deal with. And yes, I know his dad owns the team, but I would be very shocked if Cody Ware ever drives any NASCAR race car ever again. I agree. So they've had Matt Crafton, Zane Smith, JG Ailey. They've had several guys filling in for him. Um, and then the other day we find out that the rocket man who last raced at the end of the 2021 season is going to jump in a Rick Ware car starting this weekend at Darlington. And I'm kind of excited about this because I've always been curious about those back marker cars and look, Rick Ware, okay, maybe BJ McLeod's technically got the worst car in the field, but those Rick Ware cars are typically at the very back of the field. And I've always wondered what if you get a really good, really talented driver behind the wheel of one of those things. We're going to find out with Ryan Newman. Yeah. Yeah. We'll find out and see what happens. So, uh, you know, you thought he was hard to pass when he was driving for Roush or Richard Childress or Stuart Haas racing. <laughs> now he's going to have a slower car that is still going to be difficult to pass. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know. I'm excited for it. I thought his throwback looks really cool. And throwing it back to his rookie year back in 2002. And, uh, yeah, we'll really see what those record cars are made of, I guess. Yeah. So, um other big news i never thought i'd see the day where jimmy johnson would be in anything other than a chevrolet but in 2024 legacy motor club is switching to team toyota i need the backstory on this because there is you know there's my dad was i don't remember i don't remember if he was listening to i think it was the dale jr download probably a month ago or so Mm -hmm. and like somehow basically jr was in his feelings about him joining on with Richard Petty and not giving you any kind of, you know, 
forewarning that hey like and i don't know the way like my dad was explaining the way i kind of took it is like junior maybe thought like hey jimmy we could have went to the cup series together right like i don't i don't know what's going on here yeah you have like you have like richard petty basically saying that jimmy threw all his guys under the bus is now running the show you know it's just so weird and like so that's one side of it. Seeing Jimmy representing Toyota is going to be weird. Okay. Yeah. But Toyota's got to be ecstatic that they're getting Eric Jones and Noah Gregson back. Well, this makes a lot of sense to me because let's look at the Chevrolet pecking order. You have Henry Motorsports, you have Children's Racing, you have Trackhouse, you have Colleague Racing. Maybe there's somebody I'm forgetting all the way at the bottom, Legacy Motor Club. Back when it was Richard Petty Motorsports, they weren't getting very much help from Chevrolet either. Like this is a team, and I was listening to um, Door Bumper Clear earlier this week that, um, you know, Freddie Kraft, who spotted for Bubba Wallace, said, yeah, you know, at like super speedways and we'd be in the Chevrolet meeting, they're like, stay out of the way. And if you can push one of these other teams to the win, do it. Like these are, this is a team that was not getting any help from Chevrolet. And when you Mm -hmm. look at the way they've been running, you know, 20th to 30th every single week like their results speak for speak for itself there this is an opportunity for them does that mean they're going to go out and win races left and right next year no but it gives them an opportunity to have a manufacturer that's going to give them support and could possibly get them running more consistently in the top 10 to top 15 because what's toyota's pecking order joe gibbs racing 2311 racing that's it they have six cars that they fund right now adding two more. And for Team Toyota, you know, when you look at these super speedway races specifically, they never have the numbers to really do anything on their own because Chevrolet and Ford outnumber them because they only have six cars. Now you add two more to the fleet. Maybe 2311 adds another car um, and you get to up to nine. Like Toyota's finally building a good base of these cars um, that you know are all going to have pretty solid support from them. Right. So um, I imagine, you know, with Jimmy's relationship with Chevrolet and taking over this team last off season, I imagine he had those conversations with Chevrolet. Like, look, I've brought you guys a lot of success. What can you do for me? And they probably said something along the lines of this is all we can give you. And in Jimmy's mind, that probably wasn't good enough. So he sought out other opportunities and here we are. Right. So again, it's going to be really weird seeing him associated with Toyota, but you know, Jimmy took over this team to be competitive and to win races and championships. And I think this gives them the best opportunity to do that. Yeah, I agree. So, um, you know, we'll see what more comes of that. Um, like you said, it's big for team Toyota to get Eric Jones and, uh, you know, Noah Gregson back in the fold, two guys that brought them a fair amount of success specifically in the truck series. And, you know, I think everybody's kind of coming back around to Eric Jones's talent level because similar to Joe Logano, he got bounced out of Joe Gibbs racing. And what I'd say is a bit of an unfair way. And, uh, you know, now here's his opportunity to get back in the fold and uh, see what he can do with it. Yeah. Well, I think too, I mean, what is, okay. So what's more weird, Kyle Busch and a Chevrolet or Jimmy Johnson and a Toyota. Ooh, well, definitely going to be Jimmy Johnson and Toyota because, of course, Kyle Busch started his cup career in Chevrolet driving for Hendrick Motorsports. Jimmy's ties to Chevrolet go beyond NASCAR. When he was running those, you know, desert trucks 
back in California in the 90s before he ever touched a stock car. He was driving for Team Chevrolet. His partnership with them is like three decades old. And now, again, I'm assuming that they just weren't able to present what he wanted. And he was like, all right, let's see what Toyota can give me. All good things must come to an end, I guess. Absolutely. Um, but again, if this leads to wins and championships for Legacy Motor Club down the road, then it will have been a success. Yeah, it's all worth it. I mean, I mean, and I'm not being funny. It's not that they can get any worse right now. Right. Uh, throwback weekend this upcoming weekend at Darlington. I was kind of worried that this year was going to be the first year where you know, the throwback concept kind of lacked a little bit because we hadn't seen a lot of paint schemes getting released, wasn't really talked about a lot. But these past two to three weeks, we've seen a rush of paint schemes. There are probably still more that haven't been announced and we're just a couple of days away from the race. But throwback weekend still seems alive and healthy. And uh, we've seen a good mix of cool schemes this weekend. Any uh, stick out to you so far? I really like the... Um the two RCR Xfinity cars throwing back to Kevin Harvick's championships. I think those are well done in the, the video RCR put together with Kevin was, was pretty cool. Yeah. I think it's cool that, you know, despite the fact that they split a decade ago, that Richard Childress is taking the opportunity to honor the second best driver his team has ever had. Yeah. So I think that's cool. Um, I think all the Hendrick throwbacks are really neat, you know, um, I really particularly like uh, Byron's Chrome Illusion car, throwing it back to what Gordon ran in 98 for the 50th anniversary of NASCAR. Now, obviously, this one honoring the uh, the 75th uh, anniversary of NASCAR. But, um, yeah, always exciting to see Throwback Weekend and, uh, you know, glad it's still a thing and still going strong. Yeah. Uh, with that, we have all three series in action this weekend. Trucks on Friday night, Xfinity on Saturday, and the Cup Series on Sunday. I It's been so long. I don't even remember what our standings are looking like between the two of us. You're up 6'3". You're up 6'3". Okay, so so not too bad. Still still, uh, still pretty tight there. Um, we'll start off with the uh, Truck Series on Friday night. You know, it's uh, Truck Series can be hard to watch. So sometimes I don't watch it to be. 100% clear. Um, you know, you just, you, you just, it's one of those you just close your eyes and throw a dart at the board and see what it lands on. I'm going to go with Zane Smith. It's an easy, lazy pick, but yeah. uh, I agree. The truck series has been very difficult to watch this year. And uh, unfortunately, I feel like the quality of their racing is getting closer and closer to ARCA and farther and farther away from like what we see in Xfinity in the cup series. And that's unfortunate because the truck series has always been a fun series that unfortunately we just have this influx of very green young guys that don't really know how to race very well. Right. Um, with that, I will go with somebody that is a little bit more experienced and uh, came on strong at the end of last year's run. Well, this year still waiting for that first victory. I will go with uh time Jeski. To the Xfinity Series on Saturday, you have a couple notable names in this race. You're going to have Ross Chastain and Kyle Larson double dipping down from the Cup Series. So certainly some names to factor in there. Um, who, let's see, was it? I believe Allgaier won this race a year ago. Um, mm -hmm. Who picks up the win this weekend? Yeah, I, I think the two Cup guys are obviously going to be hard to beat. Um, but I'm going to go with a different, somewhat Cup guy. We'll go with Josh Berry. Okay. That's right. Yeah, he's still, uh, we've uh, 
haven't been able to talk about Alex Bowman being injured now. So uh, Josh Berry, who it uh, sounds like he's going to have a cup ride in 2024. And I think he's done a great job between the nine and the 48, you know, showing what he's made of. And um, yeah, I, I think it's a good pick. Um, I'm going to go with somebody that nearly got their first win last year at Darlington and keeps coming close. I'm going to go with Sheldon Creed. Okay. The Cup Series on Sunday, 400 miles around Darlington. Again, nine winners through 12 races so far this season. New winner or a repeat? I think we have a new winner. I think I think it's going to be a popular one. I think Chase Elliott wins this weekend. Okay, that would be a very popular win. One's won at Darlington before. I love the pace they had this past week. All the Hendrick cars had good pace. Um and I, I think he knows, too, he's going to have to start pushing the envelope a little bit um, to try to get that win. And why not do it now? You know, why waste time? I'll stick with the Hendrick camp. And this is a guy that has come so close to winning at Darlington so many times and hasn't been able to close the deal. I'm going to go with Kyle Larson. Yeah. So and uh, that's a little bit of a personal pick, given that I'll be there this weekend. And I'd love to see that happen. Yeah. Uh, but that'll do it for today's edition of the Upspeed Podcast. Back next week to break down Darlington and talk about NASCAR's return to North Wilkesboro, believe it or not. Yeah, it is here. So for Dalton Mullinax, I'm Tyler Head. Thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.